It's almost an hour with Henrik Stenson. Maybe one day we'll actually crack the code and get an hour. But Henrik, coming off of the FedEx Cup playoffs, we had a long offseason in golf and we're back at it today with Safeway. And you're back at it next week at the U.S. Open. How's everything going? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, back sweating it out in, in Orlando uh, since uh, since about two weeks back. So, um, yeah, trying to get some good practice done and prepare as well as we can. And, uh, yeah, I got my uh, my coach, Pete. He's here in town. And, uh, yeah, we're chipping away. So, uh, looking forward to, to heading back out and, and playing some tournament golf again. Any more bad golf puns you want to use or any more, like, like cliches you want to use? You're going to take it one day at a time? You're going to... You one know, shot at a time, one hole yeah, at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your head down. Right. <laughs> well, we're going to get to wing foot in a little bit, but I want to focus on the playoffs. Uh, you know, you, you've won the FedEx Cup. You've played in many tour championships. This was kind of a strange one because you had DJ who, I think it's unquestionable he was the most dominant player during the three weeks of the playoffs. But the fact is that on the actual tour championship, if everyone started equal, uh, Xander won by two strokes. Yeah, so, uh, well, I don't like to have to correct you, but I've actually only been to Eastlake twice. Uh, That's multiple tour championships. Yeah, multiple, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so I played in 13, um, won the tour championship, won the FedEx Cup. Uh, I think we we mentioned this in an earlier podcast as well, Mm -hmm. that the system used to be that you... You're coming in a top five player in the FedEx Cup for the for the final one, then you got it in your own hands, and a win will secure the FedEx Cup. Um, and the second time I was there in 15, I finished second in the in the Tour Championship and finished second to Jordan in the in the FedEx Cup. So it's been some great trips to to East Lake on on my end. Uh, uh, seems to be the problem to getting there. Then once I get there, I seem to do all right. So uh, let's. Uh, put that down on a piece of paper and, and remind myself throughout this next season so I can, I can go back next year. But the, um, the, big, yeah, the big change two years ago was to, instead of uh, having the, the points and kind of reset the, the points going into the Tour Championship and, and handicap it that way, um, the Tour Championship, I guess, uh, in, in essence, went away and it became a a handicapped by strokes uh, final um, given with your position in the in the FedEx Cup leading into the final one. Uh, you either started on 10 under, 8 under, 7 under, 6 and, and all the way down to level par. Uh, I think it made it a lot easier for the fans to, to follow. I think it made it easier for the players as well because that uh, second trip uh, on my end, I, I didn't necessarily knew what was going on all the time there the first trip I was in the lead and I obviously knew I I would I would win it uh, if I won the tournament but the second time around uh, I wasn't quite as as sure what was going on and the one that stands out to me was in 2016 when when Rory ended up winning it and Ryan Moore was was looking to win the tour championship at that point and then I think DJ would have won the FedEx Cup so it was all it was all kind of up in the air and going back and forth. So it's it's an easy system to to follow and to understand. I think uh, the one small part is that the Tour Championship itself kind of went away in 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 that way because the 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 handicap system and and you can't obviously give out strokes and then still hand out a trophy in that in that in that way. So there's a there's a 
still a tournament for the four days, uh, giving out world ranking points. And I'm not sure if all the listeners and fans would be up to speed on that. So uh, Sander, I guess, was the one who shot the lowest total for the week. So he would receive the equivalent then of first prize world ranking points in in, in today's um, official World Golf ranking. So if you go in and hit his uh, name on there, it should come up as a win and and world ranking points there. But we know he didn't win the FedEx Cup as uh, yeah. as, as DJ started off in a better position. Yeah, and he, and he ended up tying for second when he didn't uh, birdie the last hole. Uh, $500,000 putt. So what was kind of interesting to me, and look, I think they were probably right on tone given what's going on with the world. Last year at the FedEx Cup, playoffs, it was all about the money. They were mentioning it every other shot, it seemed. And this year, I think because of what's going on in the world, they probably smartly didn't focus on the amount of money that was being played every two seconds. But Justin Thomas made uh, a pretty uh, nice birdie coming out of that cross bunker on 18. Um, and that was a, turned out to be a $500,000 putt. And then Xander had a putt to try to uh, go further and didn't make uh, a $500,000 putt. When you're putting for that much money in a professional tournament, a, are you aware of it? And B, does it make it any difference? Yeah, I think I think the guys were probably aware of of their position, and uh, uh, even though you're not going to stand there and actually calculate, uh, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be one to necessarily have the breakdown in in the back of my head when I'm playing tournaments. But if you uh, might have been um, up to uh, up to speed on what the the top three uh, payouts would be for the FedEx Cup. I don't know if you're actually standing there thinking, well, this is going to be this much money. You just know, uh, okay, I'm in, I'm tied for second or I'm I'm in third position. If I make a birdie, here's a chance I'm going to finish tied second. So you just want to finish as high up as you can. And like I said, yeah, the, the money are obviously great. They, they're huge and a nice bonus, but but also you you want to get those world ranking points. They they mean a lot to us and, and uh you, you always want to keep on filling up those as well to to stay up there in the world rankings, and who knows that that might be a a better chance of of uh, Justin Thomas than regaining the world number one spot here in 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 a couple of months, and that might all come down to to him making that putt on the last hole uh, yesterday. So uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of both. Uh, necessarily on the money, uh, I don't think you actually stand in there. You just know. Um, you don't need to be Einstein knowing that it's a lot of stake uh, on the final hole when when you're tied with someone else uh, in, on the top of the leaderboard. There's going to be a lot of money involved. So uh, you focus on on making the parts and, and doing the best you can on the golf course and then the rest kind of comes with it. Yeah, and I'm looking at the official golf uh, world, world golf rankings right now and in Xander, as you're correct, did get the 58 ranking points. Scotty Scheffler uh, coming in at 268 got a 34.8 followed by DJ, Justin Thomas, and uh, Terrell Hatton. Um, our pick of Tommy Fleetwood not appearing. Um, but, you know, I do want to ask you before we move on. You said if, if we're wrong, we're not going to mention it. So why did you mention Tommy's name now? Well, we didn't mention him for this one because we didn't make that pick. But we're going to get to some picks a little bit later in the show. My question is if, if Henrik Stenson was named tomorrow the commissioner of the PGA Tour, congratulations, uh, what you. change would you make to the, to the playoffs or would you not change the playoffs? No, I think we're we're in a pretty good place with the playoffs. Uh, as the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs started out uh, back in 2007, we had four playoff events. Uh, 
I think back then it was very little movement, if I remember correctly. So if you had a bad week, nothing really happened and, and you didn't move up as much either. And then it kind of shifted on onto the other way where where you had massive movements. Uh, Heat Slocum, I think, uh, uh, won the first playoff event and went from roughly 120th to third in the play in the playoffs on one week so i think we we kind of bounced back and forth and i think now with the uh quadrupling of the points i think it is for the for the three playoff events and with one disappearing as well it's uh, it's, it's really a good balance i think of promoting and, and premiering the the solid season because uh, without doing the stats, uh, I, I don't think you're going to see a massive amount of players making huge moves. It's going to be someone who's had a, a solid three weeks here and moved up, and uh, but but still, the regular season will have had a big impact uh, where you start the playoffs and, and where you kind of finish in the playoffs. So I think I, I'm kind of traditionalist in in that way, and I, I like the. 30 odd weeks that you played throughout the year to to be the main the main de- deciding factor in in you know you coming in here i know the playoffs uh, is more of a uh, something that that the american sports fans are, are really used to in all the different sports and you kind of start over more or less you you play the whole year to to be in position have a better ranking and and be seeded higher and so on but i think here we we probably gain a little bit more by by having a solid season behind us, and and then of course you got to play well again, like like we saw DJ uh, really then finishing first, second, and third. If I got you right there, first, second, mm-hmm. and T three uh, in the three events. So I mean, there's no question that that he was the the uh, the best player out there throughout those three weeks, and and rightfully and deservedly, he's uh, he's the FedEx Cup champion 2020. And then last question on it is a lot of the writers, and I know you love what all the writers say because they know everything, just ask them, um, <laughs> are are clamoring for three days of stroke play followed by one day of match play. Would you like that idea? Do you not like that idea? If you do go into the true definition of, of an American sport playoff, that would probably be the closest golf could get to it. Um, but again, that that's basically discounting, as you say, the entire season and even the first three days uh, just to qualify for the four folks that would get into a match play situation. Yeah, it's a it's a give and take, no matter how you tweak it. And I mean, you, I'm sure everyone involved is is always looking to improve it and then make it better and more interesting and easier to follow and and whatnot. So it's there's a lot of uh, and you're gonna get as many opinions as as you get people watching. So uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I'm I'm not. Uh, I mean, it, it's always that balance. You don't want to turn it into uh, into something that's that's you know down to to one bad bounce here or there either. So it's, I mean, I, I think seventy two hole stroke play is, is the purest form to decide who's who's going to be the best. And if you've already done the the kind of handicap system to to at the start of the week to to carry everything with you from from previous playoff events and the whole season. Are you going to throw that all up in a in a sort of a match play format just at the end? Either it's, uh, I think if if you're looking to do it that way, I think you you gotta you gotta look at more than to just change the last day. You you might need to 
dig a little bit deeper into the into the whole playoff system than if if you feel like match play uh, at some of the last uh, last couple of days for the last couple of guys uh, is uh, something you want to do and and you probably need to have a different different setup then what are the other guys going to do then the last two days or the last day are they they just going home then and finishing where they finished up in the stroke play position after three days so it's yeah I don't know. You, you can you can twist and tweak and turn this as much as you like, I guess. All right. I won't even bring up the idea of the shootout of the horse race. Let's get back to uh, the off season because it's almost over uh, by the time this podcast is released. It is in fact over. Do you think golf needs a longer off season? Does the PGA Tour need to take a break? Because I mean, literally finish on a Monday, start up the next season on 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 a Thursday. Yes. Okay. How long of a break do you think that that they should take? And when do you think that break would be would be the most kind of appropriate? Um, well, right now, I guess, uh, given that, given that uh, anyone who's who's played in all these events throughout the summer and played well, I mean, uh, they're all they're all pretty much uh, exhausted after more mentally than physically, as we know in, in golf. Um, when you're up there playing well and staying in contention week in and week out, it just it just drains you and uh, takes a lot out of you. So uh, the guys definitely need a bit of a bit of a break, and I think the fans need needs a break as well. And and uh, there are some golf fans, pure golf fans, that that just love the game of golf and follow that. But a lot of the fans that follow golf, they follow other sports as well. And and I know how how dear uh, football is, American football is, uh, for a lot of those fans. And I think they want to focus on the football season and, and being into that for a while. And, and I think golf can learn some of some of that, uh, just having the, to long for it. And uh, there's been mentioning uh, in other in other forms of, of having a longer off-season. And I think that's something both players and fans and everybody around it would, would gain from. It's, it's hard to, to keep on going and doing this 50 weeks in and out. And uh, as, a, as a player that's uh, played in, in a lot of the big events and you kind of wrap it all up with the, with the FedEx Cup playoffs, uh, I think, yeah, with, with a lot of other guys then stepping onto the stage and playing so many tournaments in the fall and uh, you're kind of always behind and Rory said that it'd be nice to start the, the season not being in 180th in the, in the FedEx Cup and I guess I've been in the same situation that was partly why my year ended up the way it did I'd played two times out of, out of 22 possible ones when we shut down there in, in early March and that was just when I was going to get busy and play a lot but uh, because I'd played some in Europe and you want to have a few weeks off here and there and then kind of rest up in between seasons, you, you you will be starting long ways behind some of the guys who are taking, taking all those playing opportunities up and, and played a lot in the fall. So, um, yeah, I think there, there should be an off-season and it makes it easy for everyone if there's just plain and simply no tournaments for six or eight weeks and, and then you got no option. Everyone's going to take some time off and and rest up and, and be able to practice and, and be ready. And, and I think the fans will be more hungry to watch it if it's been away for a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. Uh, because the one thing, though, that'll make this fall maybe a little more interesting for golf fans are the majors that we're going to have the U.S. Open 
which we will not record another podcast till after the U.S. Open, so we need to get your thoughts on a little bit of that now. And then, of course, the Masters in November, which will be uh, something clearly like we've never seen before. Go through this week and a little bit of, of early next week. What is what is U.S. Open prep like? Um, you know, do you have certain... Uh, do you kind of write it all down? Do you map it out? I know you said your coach, Pete Cowan, is is in town working with you. Do you have a structure for that? Can you kind of let people in on on what the week's like? Yeah, so before Pete came over, I focused quite a lot on on the on the putting um, and, and short game, really um, getting into building some touch and and uh, and just getting into doing a lot of like putting practice, a lot of drills, and and I've had the the greenkeeping staff here at Lake Nona, they, they try to speed up the, the putting green down the, the professional side of the range and uh, just being used to hitting a lot of putts and hitting them on, on, on quicker, uh, quicker greens because I, I expect the greens to be pretty slick. Yeah, I know Wingfoot got a lot of greens that, that slopes kind of back to front and uh, you're going to end up with, with, uh, with a lot of five, ten-footers for par in, in general at, at a US Open major championship golf. Uh, I expect the course setup is going to be pretty long. It's going to be fairly tight fairways, I think, I think and, and, and pretty pretty thick rough. So uh, I expect it to be the, the kind of normal US Open setup and uh, scores are going to be reflecting in, in that. And also the, the kind of patiently uh, grinding Par is always a good score on any hole uh, type of golf, and uh, of course putting is is a big part of that. And and with Pete here, we've got a few things that we need to need to get a bit better with the swing. I've been I've been kind of too much behind me and too much on the inside, and that's not where I play my best golf. So we we're doing some work now to 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 get that backswing a little bit more in. in kind of higher and and be able for me to swing more in front of my body and and I can get back to hitting that straight ball and and take a take away the left shots uh that kind of been in there for quite some time so uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited for for the work we're doing and hopefully it can bear bear fruit uh, already next week but if that's not the case I got an, another uh pretty busy uh tournament schedule in the fall and, and a lot of other tournaments lined up so uh, we'll be back in good shape at uh, one or, two, or a few of them I'm sure when you start to think about a US Open especially when they play a traditional golf course like Wingfoot I mean you can go back and watch how, how you know it was last time it was there because uh, they've been pretty uh, open at least you know they put all their flyovers on, on on their website and everything looks you know like that that traditional US Open fairway uh, with with very very thick rough, is is hitting the fairway more important for you than little extra distance? Does this mean we'll see the three wood more often than not off the tee, or is that something you won't determine until you actually get up on site and, and go through the golf course with with your team? Yeah, some some of the decisions will be made closer in time and on, on the strategic side uh, together with my caddy and and so on. I think for me. Uh, a lot of it has to do as well if 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 you got shape on the fairway since I like to hit more of a straight ball and and if it's anything that's moving to the left I, I tend to feel like it's a little bit easier for me to put a bit of draw spin on on with a three wood and and that kind of suits my eye better on that side so um, if the fairways are fairly narrow and you got a bit of turn on them I, I can definitely see uh, see a bunch of three woods anything that's that's kind of straight down the chute uh, It'd be it'd be more down to how we're feeling and and if distance is something 
um, that's going to help us. Then, then we need definitely need to get the driver out and, and try and find those extra 20 yards uh, on the three wood to, to make it easier for the approach. And in terms of, of you know, because one thing the U.S. Open kind of changes compared to every week. It seems like every week the, the deal is hit it as far as you can. And even if you're in the rough, you'd rather hit an eight iron out of the rough than a six iron if you played conservative out of the fairway. But the U.S. Open is kind of the one time a year where it's different. Does that impact things for you? And, and do you like that type of challenge? Or, or do you prefer the idea of just hit it as far as you can? It doesn't matter where it goes. No, I, I, I kind of like the... Um I mean, it's not one or the other. I think a great, you know, a good golf course and a, and a great setup is really that you have to be uh, the guy who's going to win. It's got to be pretty good with with everything, every club in the bag. And you've got to use most of them as well throughout the week and throughout the golf course. Uh, it's not just going to be standing up and bombing it on every hole and then flicking a wedge on and try and make the putt. It's, uh, that's fine for some weeks, but I don't think that's the that's the ultimate test of of, of of, of a good golf uh, course and, and, and whoever plays the best that week either. We, we tend to have gone a little bit more towards that. That's more what I would call kind of a re, uh, resort course setup where, where you can wing it and, and just, you know, bash it as, as hard as you can. And, and you, most of the times you, you have a shot and, and you get away with it when you, when you don't hit a good drive. But uh, you're definitely right. I mean, the traditional US Open setup with the rough uh, being anything from four to eight inches. I mean, it's sometimes you're happy to find your shoes when you're going out there. So then you, you certainly got to be on the on the short stuff. And uh, is that always the most fun? No, it's. Uh, I'd, I'd probably say it's not. I, one of the US Opens that I enjoyed the most was Piners because it was actually uh, playable when you when you missed a fairway, you were kind of in those waste areas, and and most of the time. You could be in a in a little bush or in a plant, but most of the times you had a shot. Uh, but it gave you the opportunity to hit a recovery shot. But you could actually, with the green complexes at Piners, you could then, if you didn't pull that off, you, you'd be in a worse spot than than if you would have hacked it out to wedge distance. So it gave you a lot of options. I like that. So it can be a bit bit boring to to know that every time I miss a fairway, I'm just going to chop it 100 yards down the fairway and there's a wedge and a putt come from there so to, to save par. So, um, But still, it, it's a premium on hitting the fairway and I think we don't want to totally forget that part of, of the of the tee shot that you can just hit it and, and don't pay a price for, for, for errant tee shots. So, uh, yeah, a good setup is going to challenge the whole the whole bag, and and every player has to has to do most things right if you want to be at top of the leaderboard. All right, last U.S. Open question for you for now. On a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about a setup that gets out of hand? Because we've seen that before. Uh, my two senses: we are less likely to see it at a place like Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pebble, um, but it's also in the fall. Uh, how worried are you one to ten on the setup? No, I'm not really worried on the setup uh, of, of it getting out of hand. Uh, I mean, the uh, I don't know exactly know the weather for New York uh, this time of the year, but I, I would imagine that we could get the odd shower, uh, thunder shower still up in in that area. So um, the only worry would be if the greens were to get super firm and rock hard and and you start putting some silly pin positions where you can virtually sneeze a 10 footer off the green. But then I don't see that as a, as a big chance uh, 
this time around. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really worried on the on the setup uh, in that sense. And and I think out of the ones you mentioned, I mean Pebble, I almost felt like they they were afraid a little bit last year for for making another kind of. Yeah debacle uh, and they were almost holding off in the other direction. I think they could have toughened up Pebble a little bit in, in certain aspects, uh, but I think they had a bit of a bit of a backpack with, with some old garbage with them and, and didn't dare to do it. Uh, Oakmont was the one where they where they rolled and double cut them on that Friday afternoon and it, it virtually became unputtable uh, when we played the second round on the Friday. So, um, and I'm I mean, sure Shinnecock uh, definitely on the Saturday as well. So yeah. it's yeah, it's been we, we can we can pull up a decent list, but I think they 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 they're more willing to listen and and uh, and more careful about potentially making making more big mistakes in the future. And uh, I think yeah, hopefully they they've learned some uh, from 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 those mistakes, and uh, we can we can concentrate on. On who's going to play the best golf and, and not who's going to avoid a disaster at uh, at a badly set up uh, hole or, or golf course. All right, good. Well, it's nice job there. We covered our architecture section a little early. You know what time it is now? It's probably my favorite section of the podcast. I know your favorite section is when you get to say goodbye to me, but it's time for ask the ice <laughs> oh, is, man. Is it that obvious? Is it that uh, obvious? Yeah, you, you don't really hide that. <laughs> uh, it's time for ask the ice man, and what's really awesome is everybody who asks the ice man gets a Ask the Iceman t-shirt, and because I'm just in such a giving mood to you, and I'm actually in the office, look what I have for you. Oh, you finally got my own t-shirt? I got your own t-shirt. Uh, what, what size are you on the t-shirt? Uh, it depends on what country it's uh, produced in. This is produced uh, here in, uh, in Southern California. I guess I'm a medium then. Okay. This will not be the t-shirt you will be getting but I will be sending a t-shirt very much like this to you. And I hope to see your caddy wearing it as you walk up the 72nd hole about to win the United States open. The caddy bib comes off and the Assy Iceman t-shirt is right there. That's my, yeah, only, yeah, that's my perfect. Only but then, uh, you know, no offense to Glenn, but don't send a medium to him. Cause then what's right. Okay. It, it, it's you, not gonna. Just, it's not gonna work out. He needs okay. a slightly bigger, bigger version. I think you but, just message uh, me. You message me where to send them and what I'm sending, and I'm excited to send you. I'm also excited for these three questions because we got some good ones. Our first one from Ace Malcolm. What a great name, right? Ace Malcolm. Uh, yeah. Have you ever experienced mental health issues? I suffer from anxiety. Um. No, I guess out of a more out of a, I guess clinical illness. Uh, point of view, I, I guess I would say no. I don't think I, I, uh, you know, yeah, wouldn't qualify for for that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's certainly being a professional golfer and, and played as much golf as I've done. There's certainly been times when I wondered about my my sanity out on the golf course. But uh, you know, if this is more of a uh, obviously a serious question and, yeah, and it is. Uh, it is not something to, to joke about in, in that sense. It's, uh, I guess the answer would be, would be no. And, uh, like with all these things, it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, when, when you, when you got more of a physical injury or illness or something like that, it's, uh, it's something we, we tend to approach a little bit more differently and, and yeah, you can, you can go and get help for it, this and that. And, uh, and uh, that that tends to be the approach when it's more of a 
if there's mental illness and, and problems that we, we have there, it's, it's a lot of times something we, we tend not to talk about as, as openly and uh, people tend to also have a harder time seeking help, but there, there is good help out there and, and, you know, anything from destructive thoughts to um, all, all the other different uh, illnesses that you can, you can uh, battle. Uh, there's certainly help out there. And, and I think we see that time and time again, people that do come forward, they, they do that because they, they need that help themselves, but they also want to encourage other people who are feeling lost and, and in a, in a bad spot to, to go and, and seek out help. So, uh, you know, we, that, I guess that's the only advice that I can give is to, uh, to, to go and, and try and talk to someone if you, if you're struggling with, with something and, and uh, there's good help to, to get. Yeah. And about a year ago, golf.com, I was just looking it up, uh, had a really nice profile of uh, Andrew Beef Johnston. So I want to know, you know, who uh, yeah. revealed some of his mental health struggles. Uh, and then also on the PGA Tour, Patrick Sullivan, a couple uh, last year, also kind of went public with it. I do think, uh, Ace, you know, you're not alone. And uh, there's definitely uh, get some help. And uh, if anxiety is something you're suffering for, which you say, uh, we wish you the best. And uh, But go, go read those couple examples, because maybe that'll help kind of open up to see what others have done. Absolutely. And, uh, Got some Absolutely. success. All right, Henrik, from Radic, who goes by one name, just Radic. Uh, if you had to choose between playing four balls or foursomes in Ryder Cup, what would you go for and why? I think, uh, I think my, uh, my pick would be the, the foursomes. Uh, it's certainly the harder of the two uh, disciplines there or formats, uh, but I think it's, it's one that I've proven to be quite useful in uh, – uh, teaming up with with Justin Rose, we we play a fairly similar game, me and Justin, and and we produce some uh, some some very good results at the Ryder Cup, winning a lot of for some matches. And uh, the the key is really, I mean, hitting a lot of fairways, hitting a lot of greens, and if if you eliminate your mistakes, you're 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 normally a pretty tough one to play in in that format. And and also it's the chemistry between the players when you find a good partner, like I've done with Justin. Uh, you, you have that trust in each other. You don't need to feel bad if you had a bad shot because he knows what you're trying to do. You're trying your best and, and vice versa. So I think, uh, I think my strength has certainly proven to be in the, uh, in the foursomes uh, uh, format. Uh, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm totally useless in better ball either, but uh, I think uh, I'll probably make... Uh, like you, Jeff would would be quick to say sixty two parts. I, I tend to be, I tend to be uh, possibly eliminating mistakes more than being a birdie machine at times. Even though I've, I've, I've certainly made my my fair share of birdies over the years, but I, I tend to be, tend to be more that that kind of solid player that that makes less mistakes. And I think that's certainly the the, the way you want to play foursomes. Um, I'm assuming if if me and you would take on say another podcast. Uh, I'm assuming then you would shift your thing and you want to play four ball because you would want nothing to do with my golf game, correct? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll just be the enforcer on what club you're going to use. So it's be like, no, no, get that driver out. No, it's not a three wood. Here you go. Here's your five iron, Jeff. Here's your five iron. Just put it down the middle. My, yeah. my apex five iron is money. Yeah, that's perfect. Then I'll, I'll find it from there and I can do something with it. That's the main part. All right, we have one more question, and we're going to get to a really fun video. Outside of your major win, and I guess I'm going to also add Ryder Cups, 
which win was the most satisfying for you? Ooh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, 2013 was, um, other than 2016, winning the Open Championship and, and had some other good good stuff happening there. I'd say uh, 2013, I played my best golf and, and winning winning the FedEx Cup in 2013 is, is certainly something uh, I'm, I'm super super proud of and, and winning two of those playoff events there, the, the Deutsche Bank in Boston and then the Tour Championship and teeing off on on the Thursday uh, afternoon with Tiger in the in the final group and, and giving him a bit of a spanking there. That was, uh, uh, yeah, so I'd say that that Tour Championship win and the and the FedEx Cup in 2013 is uh, is closely after, after the Open. Is the FedEx Cup trophy in your office right there? It is. I'm looking at it right now. It's uh, it's the neighbor to the Claret, uh, Claret Jug. I can see it in the reflection, just so you know. All right. Uh, video. And this is crazy. Um, this is probably the shortest video we're ever going to do. Rory, I mean, talk me through this. Uh, yeah, it's probably the shortest. I don't know what club it is. If it's a six iron or five iron or something. It's like a five iron, right? Yeah, it's the shortest clip, but it's the shortest five round that Rory McIlroy would ever hit in his life, uh, both before and after this one. Uh, yeah, we we all saw this one, um, and uh, I mean he's got a bad lie, and um, I think his his heart wants more than than possibly the the brain or the the lie in the rough uh, is allowing. So. Um, I mean, he's he's trying to make something happen here from a lie that's not really doable. Um, I don't think uh, necessarily that that his execution of it is. I mean, it's hard. I, I can't really tell that on on a clip yeah, like he that. Had, he had two hundred nine. Uh, he said his direct quote was the lie was iffy, which I think is a little bit of an understatement. Yeah, um, it was more than iffy. It's sitting down in the Bermuda, and he's trying to get something to. To, to chase up there to the left of that that bunker and, and you see the pin there and he wants to hit something that comes out and scoots up on the front edge of the green and he tries to make it happen. Uh, it's too thick and, and he just doesn't get any any spin on the ball and it just jumps straight down into the lake. And uh, yeah, it's always easy afterwards to say, yeah, I should have taken a wedge instead and just right. either popped it over the lake or whatever club and, and shot he could have played. So, um, yeah, that's happened to most of us in the, in the rough at a, any, any occasion. And uh, there's always going to be people uh, saying in front of the TV, it's like, I could have hit a better shot than that. But then there's a quote saying, well, you wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. And, and uh, you know, Rory's not known for playing for, for, uh, for third place or second place. He, he wants to try and push and get another birdie or an eagle or something here to make up some ground and and yeah he, he rolls the dice and obviously it didn't didn't pay off and didn't work out. I thought maybe he was trying to skip the ball. That was my first thought. I'm like, oh, he's trying to do like you guys do at 16 in Augusta. He's like, I'll just skip the uh, negative, just... sir. That's not what he tried to do. Okay. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up because I'm sure I'm not alone in that thought. But uh, hey, congratulations, Rory, a new dad. That's way more important than uh, hitting a 15 oh, yeah. five iron in the water. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised of the whole. Uh, I mean, I'd known since 
since uh, March that they were expecting a baby. And, and then I read some articles here, just like virtually the same week they were having the baby that people didn't know. Yeah, he Has didn't, been he didn't like make a, a, Well, he never made a public statement and, and his wife doesn't travel out on tour. So, and with no, COVID, still, no one can travel out on tour. No, that that's true. But has there been no rumors? Had, had you not heard before that? I, honestly, that I had not heard. I had not heard. And Rory and I are not close. So that would no, be no, no. I, but, I, I know. But he, no, he, no. He one thing I love about Rory McIlroy is he's so open in the press, and he'll answer anything. But he's also so private and guarded. You know, we don't know a lot about him unless it's stuff that he wants us to share. And I think what's so brilliant is that he shares so much that we think we know everything, and then he can keep things kind of in reserve. Well done. Yeah, I'm, I'm just more more amazed that I, I think it was so many people knowing. I mean, all the yeah. players, a lot of other people around uh, on tour, and that that had not filtered down to. No. Any Which I love. I love that people the media. respected. I love that absolutely, people respected absolutely, the privacy that he I'm, wanted, and well done by all the players who knew. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't tell yeah, me yeah. anything because I'll tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's why we got this podcast. Exactly. Um, no, uh, baby girl, and uh, yeah, that's that's great news. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, tour story. Uh, I'm hoping you got a U.S. Open related one for me, but I would accept one on on uh, maybe a FedEx Cup party or a post party from that because that has to be a pretty wild thing. Yeah, I'll accept either one. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking about a good U.S. Open story. Uh, they aren't I, fun events. They just you you probably go to the hotel and you go to sleep because you're just white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was actually um, I, I thought. Uh, this store and, and I mean we talked about um, Mel- oh here we go that's an you know what? that's call. actually someone calling with a story that's Publix oh I'm big not gonna take of, that big fan of the public sub yeah if you go now uh, and mention mention Henrik Stenson and if he wins the US Open and you buy Henrik Stenson eyewear you get to pay for the public sub and get the Henrik Stenson eyewear for free yeah yeah perfect alright should we just call it quits after that one Pretty much, we've done our job. All right, give me a quick U.S. So, open story. Yeah, but I don't have a U.S. open story. But we okay. we we talked about uh, we had a question about mental uh, illness and and yeah. things like that. And and I mean, there's there's a lot of things that can happen. And this is it, it's it's a fun story. It's a sweet story, but it's it's obviously on the behalf of someone who who struggled a little bit as well here. So uh, you know, before we we end up in trouble by by telling this story obviously there's there's illnesses and conditions that that are horrible and they're horrible for the for the people around the and so on but this is long time ago it's actually one of my first years on tour and and playing at the belfry um and they they just played at at the belfry on the european tour a couple of weeks ago so uh, i'm out playing a practice round on the tuesday I'm coming off the fifth hole and the European tour back in the day, they had this media guide. So it had all the players on, on the seniors tour, the challenge tour and the European tour. And everyone had a, a page where it said it's a bio and told you results and interest and, and whatnot. So this guy says, uh, Oh, hello. Do you mind signing my, my media guide? And I go, no, <laughs> not at all, sir. I'd I'll, I'll be happy to. So I'll take it. And I just knowing Stenson would be, towards the later part of the book, I just opened it up and I, I managed to time it into S. Uh, no, I didn't. I timed it into T and it's a picture of Sam Torrance. And I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm nowhere near looking like Sam Torrance. He had a full on yeah, beard and, and 20, 25 years older than me and whatnot. And 
So the gentleman says, oh, Mr. Torrance, what a pleasure. I said, no, 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 no. I'm, and I'm flicking in the book here and I said, uh, oh, here's my page. And he said, oh, Mr. Stenson, how nice to meet you. And, and I signed the book and I handed it back to the gentleman and, and I'm playing another couple of holes. And when I'm coming off the eighth hole, the guy is standing there with his book and it says, uh, hello, do you mind signing my book? And I go, uh, well, I, I already, I signed it a few years, uh, a few, I signed it a few, uh, a few holes ago. And it says, oh, Mr. Stenson. Yes, Mr. Stenson. I said, yeah, that's perfect. And I carry on with my practice round. I'm coming off the, the 12th hole, a par three. And here's this chap standing behind the green now again with his book. And I said to my caddy, I, I mean, clearly he's, his memory is gone, the, the poor bloke. And, and, I feel like he's going he's gonna to ask me again. So he says, uh, do you mind signing my book? And I go, uh, not at all, sir. And I just take it. And I just open up a page and it's David Carter, English player. And, and I, sign, I just sign David Carter and I hand him back the book. And it says, Mr. Carter, you have a lovely day now. And I said, thank you. And I finished my practice round. I'm sitting in there eating lunch. And David Carter comes in and he, and he says, uh, you know, this strangest thing happened to me out on the golf course, this, this old man, he asked me to sign his, his book and I opened it up and someone had already signed my page. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I know the explanation to that. But and then obviously I had to explain to him what was going on. But uh, yeah, that was just a, just a bit of a tragic, tragi, yeah, what do you say, tragic comic yeah. uh, story and, and obviously dementia and, and Alzheimer's and all this. It's... Uh, yeah, we've heard some stories that can be kind of interpreted as as funny and and comical in a way, but it's it's obviously a it's it's a it's a bad disease and and a very very tough condition, especially for the people around. So uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, at least you were nice enough to sign the guy's book multiple times. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Okay. All right. Last topic: wives caddying. We're seeing more and more of this with Lee Westwood and his fiance Helen Story, Sibby Kucher for Matt. Nicole Willett recently for Danny, C.T. Pan's wife, David Drysdale. What do you think about the idea? Uh, you'd mentioned before we started, as I didn't do any research on this one, that your wife Emma has, has caddied for you and now no longer will ever caddy for you again? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much uh, I think, how it's going to right. pan out on my end. Um <laughs> when she caddied, for, I wasn't in the best of mood, and, and she caddied for me in the Bahamas at Tigers event like three or four years ago, and and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, oh, you got to give us a little more than that. I mean, what happened out there? I, it was a because it's a tough course, and I think I got a bit stressed out because I obviously didn't want to give her the responsibility of getting me all the yardages and and. Uh, down at Albany, there's like a million sprinkler heads and they're not yeah. really greatly marked and, and so on. And it was just like, it was a stressful experience in two sums. You're trying to keep up and then doing the book yourself and running around and, and you're not sure if it's the 168 or the 179 sprinkler head that you're next to because it's not marked. And yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it, I was just not in a, in a, bad, in a, in a good place. And uh, I guess... Uh, having your partner on the back, then she's, uh, she's the one that, that kind of gets the, gets the, uh, the part of that. And, uh, I just remember I looked back at her and, and said, are you having fun? <laughs> <laughs> and 
What was your response? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm having loads of fun. Oh, that's uh, nice. She said Tiger Woods was very nice to her, though. She talked a lot to her. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we just stay out of that one, at least on my end. I say congratulations to to any any of the other couples that, that seems to be able to handle that. And... Uh, uh, but on the same note, I mean, she carried it for me quite a bit back in the day, early days of the European tour, and we were down in Australia, New Zealand, and, and Asia, and she carried it for me, and that worked out pretty well. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll just hold my hand up. I was in a bad mood and didn't play good golf, and it just puts uh, extra strain on the, on the relationship that's not needed. Uh, and on, the, on another note, I think if you're traveling as a couple and you do that every week, yeah. What else do you got to talk about? Because you, you, both of your days have virtually been exactly the same. So, so what did you do today? Oh, I carried the bag for you and I gave you yardages and watched you hit crappy shots. Oh, cool. Yeah. Let me tell you about my day. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bad yardage on 12 from the caddy. Oh, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you can kind of, without being Einstein, you can, you can figure out how, how that could end up after a while. So right. I think it's, it's, it's mainly one-offs and a little bit here and there. I think Westwood and, and Helen obviously uh, – done it and and uh, yeah westwood's he's three years older than me i think and and more mature clearly so uh, yeah. yeah good luck well done well i think also you got to kind of pick your spots too right i think that um of course like albany where it is a little confusing is probably worse if they were having a, a tournament at lake nona it probably wouldn't be a bad thing for you to have anyone on the bag even someone like myself because you know it so uh I, I, you know, I just don't um, want to put that kind of strain on our, on our relationship. No, so. no, no. I would start in a pro am. I would say maybe there's a day in a pro am where you would let me loop for you, uh, and it kind of as an audition to kind of see how I do, uh, and and then you could fire me uh, before the pro am is over. All right. Last thing we're going to do here because we're getting close to an hour, and I certainly don't want to do that to you. Is the final word. This is uh, my new favorite segment of the show where we're each going to make a prediction. Uh, we're both going to do it this time about the U.S. Open. And if we're wrong, we're going to erase the prediction. If we're right, we're going to like blast it from the mountaintops. So you go first. Give me one prediction uh, for the U.S. Open that, that you're positive is going to happen. I think the rough is going to be thick. Excellent. Henrik Stenson has gone on the record uh, <laughs> prior to arriving at Wingfoot saying the U.S. Open will have thick rough. Uh, I'm shocked you didn't follow it up with and the greens will also be fast. Um, but maybe that's what I should do. Uh, my prediction is we're going to see a winner outside of the top 10 in the world rankings that I think that, uh, the, the, I have a theory here and you're perfect for my theory is that a lot of, uh, players in the top 10 of the world rankings have just gone through this three week playoff stretch preceded by a major preceded by a world golf championship. And they're all going to take this week off. And they're going to get back to, to Wingfoot, and they're still going to have fatigue. Uh, where someone like yourself, who's pacing themselves, who's basically last March said, oh, I'm not going to play a lot, uh, who's pacing themselves, is ready to come out. So I'm predicting a win from someone outside of the top 10. And last I checked, Henrik, you're outside of the top 10. I still count myself as a top 10 player, though. Okay. But I'm just saying that's why I caveated it with the world rankings. <laughs> Don't go Patrick yeah. Reed on everybody and call yourself something that you're not right now. That didn't go so well. <laughs> no, no, I think that, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, that's a little bit more daring than, than the rough prediction on my end. Right. And uh, uh, there's actually some, some, uh, uh, yes, yeah, some logic behind that madness. So, uh, well, yeah, you. I think, yeah, I think you could, uh, 
yeah, or or, or DJ just carry carries on with his form and and uh, throws another thirty under at winged foot and and will just erase this conversation if, totally. If if he throws if he goes thirty under at winged foot, I will send him all the Ask the Iceman T-shirts we have. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to wear them all at once. Well, that would be the strategy. <laughs> all right, Henrik, that is our Ask the uh, that is our podcast. We're done with Ask the Iceman. We're done with the entire podcast. We will do another podcast. Uh, after the U.S. Open. So you're going to be traveling because you're playing the week after the U.S. Open as well. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, you will just say, Lycka till. Lycka till, what is that? Yeah, good luck in Swedish. Oh. I need it. Well, Lycka till. And I want to thank you for being so well-wishing on, on my behalf there. Thank you. No problem. Well, best of luck with uh, the U.S. Open preparation. Best of luck with... Uh, with with having a great week up there at Wingfoot and stay out of that rough because I heard here it's going to be thick. Absolutely. Take care of yourself and thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>